The sermon topic is unsaved believers. And it goes right along with the adult class this morning and none of us knew what the other was preparing for today. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, the Lord is talking to John about the seven churches and through John. And he's talking about the fifth church, the church of Sardis, where we read, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. The last verse I think Matthew used, that word dead, was used there. Examine your Self, whether you be in the faith, I know thy works, that thou art dead. We can look like we're the real McCoy, but we can be dead as a doornail. We can be dead spiritually. And we need to wake up, open our eyes to the truth of God's word as he convicts by his spirit in our lives. Over in James, the verse, verses that were read, and I don't know if Matthew read them, but Troy read them this morning. But one verse there, chapter 2 and verse 14 of James. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? And Troy dealt with this in the morning service. What kind of faith do we have? Can faith save him? We preach that faith can save him. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. They that come to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's what we preach. What is James saying? Is he contradicting Paul in Romans, where he said, you know, by faith we are saved? Is he contradicting what, what Martin Luther said back then, you know, by faith? No. What James is saying here, this kind of faith does not save. A faith that has nothing attached to it, that shows no fruit in the life of the individual. And they know, as Matthew shared, there's darkness within, there's not light. That kind of faith doesn't save. And this is the faith that's spoken of in James chapter 2. What did Martin Luther call the, the, the book of James? A book of straw, a book of straw. And he didn't like reading. He, he'd rather Romans because he, he discovered the, the faith there written. But that's not so. He was misunderstanding some of the things that James was emphasizing here. This kind of faith doesn't save. Faith saves, but not this kind. It doesn't contradict. <clears throat> Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 4 and verse 20 and 21. Romans four twenty and 21. We read there. He staggered not, he's talking of Abraham here, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. It wasn't self-righteousness, he believed what God said, he totally trusted and committed himself to that, and he got righteousness god's righteousness imputed input to his account not self-righteousness of the pharisees but god's righteousness let's pray for a moment thank you lord for this truth of your word and i pray that everybody in the building this morning would know the lord jesus christ as their personal savior would have come by this faith faith in the finished work of the lord jesus not in our righteousness or our works which has filthy rags. Lord, bring each one to know you because the time is late, time is short. 
Life's running out and we need to know where we're going to spend eternity. Bless the word as it's been shared and will be shared in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if the, you follow the outline in the bulletin, we'll quickly go over it and not cover all the verses. We see, first of all, the manifestations of deceived people. You can believe the Bible is the word of God and still go to hell. The Jews had scripture all over them. They had phylacteries. They had little writings of scripture. There are people meeting all around the world today in churches that yet believe that God's word is God's word. They believe the scripture and Matthew shared that. He knew the word. He'd heard that from a young age upward but had not believed by the faith that's written in the word of God there in the book of Romans. The Jews had these oracles. Look at Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. Speaking of the Jews. Much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. The word of God was committed to them. They had the word of God. Chapter 9 and verse 4. Speaking also of the Jews who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God and the promises. They had the word of God. And in Jesus' day, the majority of them were still on their road, the road to hell. They hadn't believed in the heart. Reading these verses in chapter 9 of Romans... Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. This is fair dinkum. He's saying this is true. <laughs> I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. Who are they? Jews. Jews. Not Christians. <laughs> not even Christian Jews. My brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, as we've just read that verse. This is talking about the Jewish nation. This is talking about them. Who are, who are the whose are the fathers in verse 5? And of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. That's not talking about the church. That's talking about Israel in its context. It's talking about the Jewish nation. They had the word of God. The oracles of God were given them. The law of God was given to them. Yet they were not going to heaven. You could memorize the Bible and still go to hell. You need to believe what Jesus done, the finished work of Christ, not your works, his work for you. They are not all Israel who are of Israel. That's like saying, you know, because you're in a Christian family, you're not a Christian. Because you're in Israel, you're not an Israelite. A true Israelite is one who believed like Abraham believed and to him was imputed God's righteousness. What about you this morning? You've been raised in a Christian family. You've done a Christian education. Maybe you went to a secular school. Are you saved? You've memorized scripture. Are you going to heaven? It's serious. It's eternal. Let's not fake it. Because you won't be faking it when the Lord Jesus comes. You could well be left behind. 
thinking you were going to heaven and all of a sudden Christians disappear and you're left sitting there. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham, you know, neither because, you know, they've got a heritage of, you know, five, six generations of being Christians. Are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Folks, are you saved today? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 41 to 44, he said of these Jewish people who had the word of God all over them, they, they had it and all the Talmud, all the extras they added to it. But he said, ye are of your father the devil. And the will of your father you will do. They were not believing people going to heaven. They're on their way to hell. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 and some of these verses might have been repeated from what have been, has been said already, but there in 20, I mean chapter 2 of Romans, verses 28 and 29, For he is not a Jew who was one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who was one inwardly, and it's not talking about Christians here, it's talking about Jew, no. who was one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in... The letter whose praise is not of man but of God. And we can bring that over to the in the Christian realm and say he is not a Christian because he declares himself to be a Christian. How many people through 50 years of ministry that have been involved with have called themselves Christian and they're nowhere near a Christian now. They're out in the world and they're doing their thing. Just plain worldly. Just because you call yourself one, you're not one. There has to be that transition from death to life by the spirit of God as he's striven with your heart has it ever happened in your heart has God ever got a hold of your heart and convicted you as he did Matthew that you're unsaved even though you seem to be doing all the Christian things can you remember a time when that has happened Young or old, has it happened to you? Where God got a hold of your heart, convicted you, you're unsaved, you're a sinner and need salvation. I pray that he has. Yes, you can believe the Bible is the word of God and still go to hell. You can believe there is one God and still go to hell. The Jews believed in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, our Lord, the Lord our God is one Lord. <laughs> they believed that. But they were still on their way to eternal condemnation. James 2.19, that's been quoted already. Thou believest there is one God? Thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. And they did tremble. The Gadarean maniac. You know, when, when Jesus confronted that man and I stood on the spot there in Israel where it happened on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and looked down the, the steep incline where the pigs run down and... <clears throat> I thought, this is where it happened. This is only, the only place it could have happened on the eastern side of the Dead Sea is there. And, and the demons in that man cried out that they, he, he wouldn't, the Lord wouldn't, send them to the eternal punishment then. And uh, he, he let them go into the herd of swine and they run down and suicided, you say, the pig swimming in the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> but these demons knew they knew who Jesus was. They believed 
But they weren't saved. They, we know demons can't get saved. They're, they're, they're doomed forever. Because they had the privilege of seeing the glory of God in the presence of God that we haven't had as humans. And they decided to go against that. But here they believe and tremble. You know, there's unsaved believing demons. <laughs> you know, we could have all that in our life. What about us? Where are we at with God? Second um, <clears throat> Corinthians we haven't got time to turn there. In chapter 11, there, verse 13 and 15, it talks about the preachers who appear as angels of light in pulpits around the world. Yet they're the messengers of Satan. Oh, let's be careful that we're not hooked up in there. We're tied up with this and our pride is stopping us from humbling ourselves under the hand of God. And it took something for Matthew to get up here. And, and, and humbly admit that he wasn't saved. It takes a man to do that, doesn't it? To confess that you, 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 you're all, you have been deceived and self-deceived. Thirdly, believe, belief in God is not enough. The demons also believe that we've mentioned, and this is in the outline there. <clears throat> One old-time preacher said it like this, A man is saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. It'll have attachment of the things of God in your life. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 23 to 25. John 2, 23 Ah, that was chapter 1. There we go. That's better. <clears throat> now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. Notice that? Ne many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. They believed in him, but he did not believe on them. They were not believing people, though it says right there they believed in his name. And that's the situation that we're talking about today, isn't it? Does the Lord believe on you? See, he knows your heart. He knows us, he knows us inside out. <laughs> Does he know that you're going to be, you are truly born of God, that you're one of his children? It reads in the next verse, And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what is in man. Oh, uh, you can't get away from the gaze of God, can you? You cannot fool the Lord. <clears throat> I've got written down here, some Baptist. Well, let's go back a little bit here. <laughs> Does a person, or if a person came out of Mass, you went down the the road here and or up the road over here <laughs> and ask someone that came out of mass do you believe in Jesus what would they say yes, yes. I just ate him I just drunk him <laughs> that's literally what they believe it comes the body and blood of the Lord 
Transubstantiation is called. They believe in Jesus, but does Jesus believe on them? Ask a Jehovah's Witnesses going around knocking on your door two by two. Do you believe in Jesus? What do they say? Yes, we believe in Jesus. Different Jesus to our Jesus. He's not eternal. Ours is. They don't believe in the eternality of the Lord Jesus. And I said to him once, I said, how can you believe in someone that's not God for your salvation? Ask someone who has been in a charismatic church that has just gone off in gabble and jibble, babble, and had an ecstatic experience or rolled down the aisle like they have or barked like a dog like they have. Do they believe in Jesus? Yes, that's what they say. They'll say they believe in Jesus, but which Jesus? You see, there is great deception in the world today. Let's believe in the one who has died for our sins, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Baptists have known to have simultaneous revivals, presupposed or proposed results, five minutes preaching and an hour's invitation which is not revival at all. It's all sensation. It's all built up by the, by the men who are leading in those, thing, in those meetings. And it's happened in big time in America. You know, and I've used it before, but when Billy Graham was out here in 1954 or 56, was it? I was just alive then, so I can't remember. <laughs> but there was busloads busloads of people that went from just Warburton and Warburton sort of the end of the road up the Yarra River if you've been up there nice place busloads went down to the meetings almost all of them made professions of faith 50 years later one still stands they believed on Jesus but they're not fair income not true blue believers as we'd say as, as Aussies there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus by night. No, not by night. He came during the day in Mark chapter 10. He was sincere and the Lord loved him. And the Lord got to the point there and said, will you sell everything and give it to the poor? He had many riches and he would not do it. You see, it told on him that his faith wasn't real. What's the one thing that you're not willing to give up for eternal life? How foolish it is that that man would not believe because of the money that he had. And he's now in hell if, if he didn't get saved, wishing that he had given up all that stuff for true faith in the Lord Jesus. Marks of a true believer. <coughs> I've already set my clock. What's the time? 12? Okay, good. Marks of a true believer. You know, everyone believes in the wind, but have you ever seen it? How can you identify if there is a wind? Well, you can see the results, the trees moving all ripped up, the dust blowing around. So there will be a manifestation of spiritual life in an individual upon whom God has blown with his Holy Spirit. 
How can you identify a Christian? How do you know that you are a Christian? As we've been shared already in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith, prove yourselves. Know ye not yourselves how Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Wherefore, the rather brethren in 2 Peter 1.10, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And four quick things by which we can know that we're Christians. By your attitude to the scriptures. Have you read them this week at all? Did you have to go and blow the dust off your Bible when you come to church today? You're probably not a Christian. If you do not respect the scriptures which are the divine divinely given to us to know how to walk and how to believe, then you do not love the Lord. The Lord is the word, the living word. Amen. They come to us. Your attitude toward the scriptures will tell you whether you're saved. Do you reverence and respect the word of God? Do you obey his word? You won't say, I will do as I please. Nobody will tell me what to do. You will say, I submit to the authority of the scriptures. Amen. You want to tell and share the scriptures. You won't, you won't go to the scriptures and try to tell it what to, you believe. You'll go to the scriptures and say, what do I need to believe? Amen. There's a whole lot of difference of going there and giving a private interpretation upon it. The scriptures will tell you. Those who promote false doctrine and elevate tradition Leave a question mark over their salvation. Mark chapter 7 and verse 13 particularly. So by your attitude toward the word of God, do you memorize it? Do you love it? Do you, like the psalmist in Psalm 119. <coughs> Thy word, O Lord, I love. I will hide it in my heart. I'll memorize it. I'll meditate it apart. I'll think upon it. And the spirit of God will work through it in my heart and life. A blessing to have the scriptures. Do you honour them? Secondly, by your attitude towards sin. 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. We'll read these ones. 1 John 3, 8 to 10. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And then you'll say, <laughs> Matthew made a good point in his testimony there, that since he got back from New Guinea, he has been tempted to sin. And you say, wait a minute, he doesn't sin. <laughs> That's what the Bible just said. But what it's saying in these verses, if you were a Greek reading person, you could understand, he who habitually commits sin. That's what the scriptures there are saying. If you can't but help just sin all the time. And that's what it's saying. If that's the case, you're not a Christian. By this, you know you're a Christian. By the attitude toward the scriptures, by your attitude towards sin. You won't want to. It, Romans 6.15. What shall we, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? 
God forbid. God forbid. If a Christian was perfect upon his salvation and never sinned before, the Lord would just take us home. <laughs> but he's left us here to be a testimony to the world, hasn't he? And to, to win the victory over sin. As we yield ourselves, a Romans 6 is all about that, yielding ourselves to God. Thirdly, by your attitude toward the brethren. And it's outlined in Troy's outline. Just a bit, of, the word's a little bit different. It, uh, as to the word, as to the walk, and as to the world is, is in the, uh, was in the outline that Brother Troy used there. By your attitude toward the brethren, the saints. What, what crowd do you like associating with? And this was used in the adult class. Christians or non-Christians? Do you have more, as it were, fellowship with the unsaved? Or do you, have, you love the fellowship with the saints? I pray that you love the fellowship with the saints as an indication that you're born again. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 and the last part of that to 15. By love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Do you love the saints or do you criticise the saints? Do you like gossiping about the saints or do you love the people of God? You know, down at the meetings this week, well, one day I was at there, you know, I hadn't met the preacher, the main preacher, and the others I'd met but didn't know them well. They get up and preach the word of God and you can say what? Amen and amen and amen and they've experienced things of life, we've experienced things of life and they come to the same conclusions. The, the uh, what was his name, Randy's, Randy Starr preached to the men there and he's talking about the family and he started by this. He said, the only thing you'll take to heaven, and I've said it over and over again here, <laughs> is your children. And, and, or he added one, and your wife. <laughs> but he he said that, and I thought, and I said, well, I didn't say it. I might have grunted it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and uh, John was up the road a bit, and he said he was grunting too, <laughs> saying amen. You know, you, you just, there. <laughs> this person believes what I believe, and we can have wonderful fellowship in the Lord. And if you miss the meetings like I miss most of them, shame on you, shame on me. <laughs> But, it, you know, we've got businesses, we've got jobs and things to go to. Were they a blessing, Nathan? Absolutely. Good. <laughs> For those that were able to go. You love the brethren. They're going to be in heaven with you. For how long? Forever. Forever. Get to learn to live with each other. <laughs> and uh, fourthly, no, I've got a little illustration. We have to use this one about chickens. Uh, leghorn chickens. They're the white ones. It's said that uh, leghorn, leghorn chickens, if they see a spot on their fellow chicken, chook, whatever you want to call them, they'll pick on that spot. And they'll pick on that spot until they kill their fellow chook. And then they'll devour the chook until there's only feathers and bones left. I'm afraid that that happens amongst Christians. They pick on the spot. You know, we've all got some weak spots, haven't we? Amen. We're all prone to sin in some way. Amen. Let's be forgiving. And forgiving means forgetting. 
But that doesn't mean we just let sin go rampant either. <laughs> we need to deal with the sin ourselves as Christians. Love the brethren. Don't be a cannibal and pick on each other. Fourthly, and lastly, we know we're saved not only by the love of the scriptures, the hate of sin, and the love of the saints, but by God's attitude toward you and me. Hebrews 12 tells us about chastisement. <clears throat> you know, why did our parents discipline us? Because they loved us. And they didn't want us to get into the wrong thing. We might have thought otherwise when we were kids. You know, the, the parent disciplines us and, you know, gives us a, a few hidings. And then they say, it hurt me more than you. <laughs> and the kid looks up, you, you've got a credibility problem. I mean, <laughs> it hurt you more than me. I was the one that got the hitting. <laughs> But you know what? Because God loves us, he disciplines us. He allows things to come into our lives that we don't like and we squirm and we wriggle, <laughs> trying to get away from, from Father. <laughs> but he applies the rod. And if we are without chastisement, we are bastards. That's what the Bible says. And we know we're saved because of God's chastisement upon us. So ask for it. <laughs> Be careful how much you ask. Because the Lord will bring it into our lives. Folks, are you saved? Just by those four simple things. There's many others we could look at. Especially in First John. <laughs> yeah, by this ye know, it says, over and over again, that you're his children. 1 Corinthians says, some are sick, some are weak, some are sick, and some are dead because of their disobedience as Christians. God took them home early because they weren't submitting themselves to his will. They were doing contrary to that. Are you sensitive to God today? 1 Timothy 6.12 reads, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life unto which thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Remember what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in thy name? And notice he didn't say they hadn't. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. We've built hospitals, we've done this and we've done that and all these wonderful. And the Lord Jesus, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Wow. That would be the wrong time to find out the truth of the matter, wouldn't it? Much better to find out at camp in New Guinea or here today that you need to repent and be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Don't leave it. Don't put on a facade. Don't try to say, well, you know, my mum and dad, I've got them around my little finger and, and uh, 
I can deceive the pastor, I can deceive the, uh, the deacons, I can, I can come to them and give a testimony before I got baptised and say how I got saved because they could be all up here, nothing down here. Are you saved and you know it? Is there light inside, as Matthew shared today? Or is it darkness? Yeah, we've gone a little bit over time, but I think it's important that we stress this. Timothy was told, and from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And maybe today is unto salvation for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Saving faith. Not an intellectual faith, not a demonic faith like they had in James. Unsaved believers. Move from that position to be a saved believer in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you that it's so plainly given. Bless a soul today with salvation. Lead them by the drawing of your spirit upon their heart. To trust in the Lord Jesus. Lord, let us humble ourselves today on your hand, under your hand and say, Lord, I've been faking it and I know it in my heart. May I, as I believe on you today, may you save my wretched soul. Cleanse me from sin and make me one of your children, born again from above. Oh Lord, may some soul pray that prayer as they turn to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.